Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 167, and it's titled The Real Reason Your Relationships Fail. So we've covered actually quite a few reasons why relationships fail, but that's because there are a lot of reasons. Some of them are pretty obvious. Some of them actually aren't that obvious. And today's reason is actually not that obvious. At least it isn't to most people. Now, something you and I actually talk about quite a lot. We've talked about this topic just between ourselves a lot. We've never really done a whole show on it. Um, But when we were speaking with our guest, who we will introduce in just a moment, this topic came up again. And we were like, oh, yeah, this is something that we have personally talked about and seen a lot. And I think it's time to address it on a show. So we are going to be doing that today. And hopefully I have left you in suspense, wondering what that thing is by not telling you just yet. (laughs) And the good thing too is that this thing goes straight to the cause. So you're not dealing with symptoms and putting little bandages trying to make it work. And we'll talk more about that. You're going to go to the cause, the root, and you can eradicate it. All right, before we introduce our guest today, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. So... We have today Abby Metcalf. She is a relationship maven, a psychologist, author, podcast host, TEDx speaker who has helped thousands of people think differently so they can create connection, ease, and joy in their relationships, especially the one you have with yourself. And with her unique background in both business and counseling, she brings a fresh, effective perspective to life's struggles using humor and her direct no-nonsense style. She's the author of the number one Amazon bestselling book, Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And we'll come back to that because I'm sure many women want to hear about that. And she is also the host of the top-rated podcast, Relationship Made Easy. So welcome, Abby, to the Love Lab podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, that is a pretty impressive bio. And and we cut some of her achievements off, but you can read that yeah. on the website. The show's only got way 40 more. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my mother wrote that, you know, it's like goes on and on. Yeah, it's a bit much. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. It's great. I was I was at not making fun of that. I was actually impressed by it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty, pretty impressive. So those of you who are listening, be prepared for some amazing insights. So we're just going to jump right in. And the first question, well, we'll see how you answer it, but I I have some ideas myself on on how you might answer it, which is when somebody comes to you, so a couple comes to you and they're seeking advice, there's something not working in their relationship. What do they usually think the problem is? I would say almost 100% of the time, people come to me and they say the problem is communication. Of course, we, we need, we don't communicate. We need to improve our communication skills. And it happens pretty much every time. <laughs> and then 
I have to tell them they're wrong. Uh, well, it's and they're not wrong. You know, none of us are wrong. It it's true that our communication is failing, but it's failing because uh, that's actually a symptom of the problem. Like we were talking about before, it, it there's actually a deeper problem, which is I can say it. I think, <laughs> which is really it's competition in the relationship. We compete for time, resources, money all the time in our relationships. And we're really raised this way. It's a very kind of American way, especially, although I have clients all over the world and it's pretty common everywhere, uh, but we compete with our partners, not realizing that we're doing it. Okay. So most, just to sort of summarize what you said, most people come in and they say, it's our communication. And I have to say, honestly, you must have some pretty decent level clients uh, because, and I say that just because a lot of the, a lot of people we work with, think their communication is actually okay. They, they think that they're communicating well. And we sit there, we're like, ah, ah, you call that communication, right? Like we got to, oh, no, 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 no. Let's take a few steps back here. We got, we've got to address this communication piece. So, so they come in thinking that that's the problem. And it likely is a problem. But I think, uh, as you correctly pointed out, it's also a symptom of a larger problem, which you have uh, already told our audience is competition. Mm-hmm. So that, so, of course, begs question number three. What does it mean to uh, be competing then in a relationship? Because I'm sure when people hear the term, they're like, I don't compete, but I'm sure that, and, and I can see it like in so, so many ways that we've been taught to behave like this. So in your opinion, Abby, like, um, what does it mean really to be competing in a relationship? Yeah, I, it just, it shows up in just about everything generally. So the obvious one I always use is it's people saying it's your turn to put away the dishes. It's your turn to do this thing. We're taking turns. Really? Is that where we are? We're taking turns in our relationships. So already you're keeping score. You're immediately keeping score. You're saying, oh, I did it the other day. So now it's your turn and it better be fair and it better be exact and it better be equitable. And that's not true in any relationship, especially when you're comparing time, because we all have different capacities. We all have different things we do. We all have different things we bring to the table that are very valuable. And I will say that, for example, men get beat up on this one a lot because uh, we know, you know, the Pew Research Center, all the research that Women physically do more work when we get married. We live less long. <laughs> we don't live as long as men. Men live longer and they get married. Men, men get your know, really great stuff when they get married, right? So that and that's great. But there's this idea somehow that men aren't bringing to the table what women bring. And well, they're not because they're bringing something different. They're bringing something just as valuable. But it really, when you start breaking down time and how many hours women spend, and, and it's true, right? And all the research will show you, we spend more hours with childcare. We spend more hours cleaning the house. We spend more hours doing all the things. But that's why you can't compare in that way. And that's why keeping score is so bad. So we start to... Uh, if I'm doing this many hours of, you know, I do all the cooking in my house and shopping and things that takes more time, you know, than my, you know, Gary mowing the lawn, right. (laughs) And stuff like it just does. And, but he does so many other things that are incredibly valuable to me. So when we start, that's why this competition thing is so bad and so undermining. And, and I'll tell you for, I'll just do this really quickly. My tires in my car were low. And I didn't, I, he kept telling me, you know, you need air in your tires, right? They're getting low. 
I coming from New York City and have a car. Like I, I don't, I don't know car. Cars aren't my thing. I, I thought I had to go to the mechanic and leave it all day. I didn't know it was an easy fix. I had no idea, so I kept ignoring it. To make a long story short, he went and did it for me. And he came home, and I said, "Oh my!" I acted like he split the atom. I said, <laughs> "Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm so appreciative that you put this air in my tires." And he's laughing, saying, "It took me about two minutes, right?" So. <laughs> But it was the care. And I said to him, oh, I just, he said, well, I was thinking of how much, how competent you are and how together you are. And you weren't doing it. And so I thought, oh, she doesn't get how easy it is. I'll just go take care of it. So even though that took him five minutes, how amazingly valuable is that in the relationship? So when you're not keeping score and you're not adding up, you start to really come together and see each other's really the wonderful things that we each bring to a relationship, right? Which are very different. Yeah. And I like the way you put it because when you, when you take it away from using the word competition and then use the words keeping score, it's suddenly like all of a sudden it's like, oh, now <laughs> I get what she's talking about, right? Because, you know, our, when I started this show by saying that we talk about the fact that we witness a lot of people uh, competing in relationships like it's a and it's a much more modern phenomenon yep we can talk about that later but yep. we witness it a lot and so we we talk about it a lot but when we talk about it to other people they don't really get it like, i don't compete you know they just don't understand what that means so i think putting it in terms of keeping score keeping track of how many times did you do this? And how long did it take you to do that? Suddenly people, I think, can get a real feel for what it means to be competing. And I just want to add one sort of example that maybe makes it, uh, I don't know, I guess it makes it easier to understand, which is this. Let's say you have a company and you've got all these people in the company who have specific roles. This particular person is an engineer. This person is the bookkeeper accountant. And this person is, you know, whatever. Would it make sense for you in a company to say, well, we need everything to be so equitable that today it's the accountant's uh, turn to do the engineering, right? Would, would that make any sense whatsoever? Of course not, because the account knows nothing about engineering and they're absolutely going to screw it up. And so I say all the time, and, and Celine and I talk about this, it's like, we're a team and we utilize our talents in the best way possible. So, you know, I'm better at certain things and she's better at certain things. And so I handle the things where my skill set fits the best and she handles the things where her skill set fits the best. And really, that just works so much better. We'll talk about solutions later on, but I just think that's a really good way of putting it. It's like if people realize that, hey, wait a minute, not everybody's great at every single job and asking people to do a bunch of things that aren't really, one, their skill set, or two, things that they even want to be doing. You know, like the perfect example in our house is um, she doesn't like to like take the trash out and she's perfectly capable of, you know, taking care of the things in the outside, the trash and the, you know, the, when the animals tear things up and the gophers and like, sure, she can do all that, but she doesn't really want to. I, on the other hand, would prefer to do that over like vacuuming the house, you know? So, hey, sure, let me go outside. I'll mess with the spiders and the, the dead animals and the dirty trash and all. I'm fine with that as long as I don't have to get out the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I, and I would even say for that, if both of you hated vacuuming, that you use a resource outside the couple. So what happens a lot in this competition thing and this keeping score thing is that we, whenever something comes into the house that has to get done, and this is especially bad when you have kids, but it's true all the time. So something, oh, the taxes have to get done. It's time, right? And so we immediately look to the other person, to our partner. Okay, who's going to do it? We have the two of us. Who's going to do it? And there's this great, you got to understand that you're a shared resource. So if I drain my partner, I'm also draining myself every single time. And so it's very important to really start thinking about bringing in resources from outside the couple. So, and not always looking to your partner to, to solve something or to do something and, or taking those things off your plate. If you can, if it's something that doesn't have to happen, you know, we used to have the kids and way too many activities. <laughs> and at some point, you go, this isn't helpful to our family. You know, this isn't making us throw, thrive and grow. It, you know, the kids don't have to be in three sports and in a language and, and take an, an instrument and whatever, you know, you can let things go, but it's, uh, again, that keeping score thing comes up in also ways of, you know, not being happy when our partners have success, because we can sometimes see it, oh, they'll be away from the house more now. They won't be here. Maybe we start getting jealous of coworkers or things like that. Uh, maybe you are, or one of my other favorites is sometimes, you know, our partners will come to us and say, hey, I'm, I'm feeling neglected, maybe something like that. And we, the answer to that is, oh my gosh, tell me more. That's the only answer to that. <laughs> tell me more. But the answer is usually neglected. I did this, 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 and this, and this. And we list off all the things of why they shouldn't feel that way because we're keeping score. We are, we are, this is that competition. This is what that looks like. And when I'm doing that, I don't want you to win because I see it as a loss for me. If you spend money on something, it means I don't, it's less for me. If you get a you know promotion and now you're traveling a lot, great. I'm I'm stuck at home taking care of the kids. We you know there's this constant like and that's a problem in a relationship. We want to really be there. We want our partners to win. We want them to have so much bounty because we're a shared resource. <laughs> so it means that I have a I have that too. I get that too. It's 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 both of us. But again, th- and this is what really undermines this feeling of cooperation and partnership because I am so busy watching what you're doing and comparing it to what I'm doing. And I'm adding up the hours or the money you spent or the whatever it is, and I'm comparing it. And right there, I am in just deficit, right? And and I will tell you that relates to one other piece, which is that, and this is the work of Timothy Wilson, our conscious brains process information at a rate of 50 bits per second while our unconscious minds or our subconscious processes information at a rate of 11 million bits per second. So our partners don't hear what we say, they hear what we mean. So if I say, oh, that's great, I'm really happy about your promotion, <laughs> but inside I am like thinking of the 50 things I'm going to lose because of it and how annoying that is and great, he's going to meet someone now when he's off or she's going to you know, think she's too good for me now. If that's what I'm thinking, that's what comes across. And we, we've we all been there where someone was saying all the right things, but we didn't believe them. And again, and that is undercutting your relationship also. That is starting to, to wear at the thread that holds us together over and over and over because we stop trusting. We're, we're hearing this thing, but we don't believe it. And, and that's that's what's getting under there all the time. 
Yeah, for sure. So, you know, and you've answered it already, but I just want to kind of point it out a little bit more to the audience. Our next question was, why is the competition bad? And you just gave us like 10 reasons why this competing is really, really bad for your relationship. So I want people to really understand how negative some of those effects can be. And man, you really, you really hit on one with the money, which is if you buy something, that's less money for me. That is so huge in relationships and people don't even realize that that's underneath. They're just like, I can't believe you spent all that money, right? Or they're like, whatever. Mm -hmm. If they really thought about it, they'd realize that what it is is, yeah, because I wanted something myself and now we don't have the money for it, right? Right. That's That's underlying. Usually it. Or you know what's worse? Or I might want something. What if later I need to have that pile there just in case, just in case I want this. And again, here, my partner is so happy, so excited. My uh, Gary does these Spartan races, you know, these things, Mm -hmm. the like obstacle course, right? We're old, but he's very active anyway. (laughs) And he does these races and, you know, we're flying all over. We're in East, wherever, but fuck, you know, Montana places. Like I don't want to be, you know, I'm a city girl and we're doing our thing. And, but he, I'm a Gary fan. You know, I'm not a fan of this thing. And I have this wonderful picture of him. They do a fire jump at the end. Like they jump over fire at the end of this thing. He is in such joy. My man is in such joy. So to watch him in that and to be in that, it's amazing. So whatever money we spend, whatever time I give up, quote unquote, to go do these things, however that all works, I'm getting, I'm getting this super happy, fulfilled, you know, excited guy, not to mention fit at our age, that's just great, but you know, it's still sexy and looks great, you know, but you're getting all, and again, we can miss that. Cause I also could be on the thing of, oh my God, we spent all this money on these races and you know, why are we doing it at this age? And I don't want to go to these places. Uh, and, oh, he's probably going to meet women when he's there who are really into it too. And I'm not into it. And then what, right. It's so, it would be so easy to just go the other way with it. And that's the competition. And you have to decide Again, that you're this shared resource and that one of yours happy anybody's happiness is really giving you happiness too. So I also think that it's great to bring it. I think the keeping score can show up in so many different areas of a relationship. So I would see it happening in the bedroom where, well, I'm the one who initiated <laughs> or last time, or it's always me doing this. And we always tell people, would you rather be the one who initiates and end up having sex or be grumpy and saying like, I'm not going to do it because it's always me and get nothing. Right. So I see it keeping score with intimacy, with how much kissing and lovemaking or touch is happening. Who does what, when I see keeping score with the money part, like how many people contribute. And I think it's also a tricky one because with women working now, so, and men working and the cost of life becoming higher, we each need to bring in more uh, into a household to have the lifestyle we want. So we each contributing a lot, but sometimes if one makes X and the other one makes less, it's not about we both put in this much amount. It's like maybe we each put in 
X percentage or something like there are ways around that, right? Um, I see things about keeping score about the household. Very, this is really big. And that's one of the things that I want to come back to with, which is the title of your book with like, how can you still be happy, well, married or not in a relationship if your partner won't do anything? Because right now I'm listing all these different areas within a relationship that people are keeping scores that are undermining that intimacy for the long run. Um, maybe there's one more about keeping score about um, how many friends and how many activities you go outside, right? And Or or fun you have. Who plans them? Oh, oh yeah. I get that a lot. Oh, I always have to plan the vacations. I always have to, you know, whenever we're going out. And to me, it comes back to what you were saying earlier. What are you good at? And I definitely hear the sex one a lot that uh, what I just got it. I people writing questions for me that I do like an ask Dr. Abby kind of thing, you know, and I get that a lot. What do I do if I'm always the one initiating? Cause, and be, and it, you, the thing here is that we then decide what it means. Mm-hmm. It means he doesn't desire me. If I'm always initiating, it means he doesn't desire me. And I always like to say to them, does it act like he's not excited once you start having sex? Like, does he seem like he's not interested? <laughs> and of course he's very interested. It's, it's, you know, what are, what are you bringing to the relationship? And sometimes they'll say, well, but in the beginning he was always, you know, wanting to get, to get on top of me. And now I always have to initiate. And again, it's that keeping scores. You're so right on. And I think if that's what you bring to the relationship, how wonderful, how can you get even more creative around it? How can you have even more fun with it? What else can you do? And one of my favorite questions to tell people to ask when that stuff comes up is to ask their partner, Uh, what would you like to see more of in our sex life? It's a perfect way because, you know, the, well, you're not out and you're not doing this and it gets us nowhere. And I say a lot, you know, we have to connect to correct. And so there has to be that connection first before we start talking about something that we don't like or that isn't working for us. But there's a lot of ways where we don't even have to talk about what's not working. We can talk about what's working and how to get more of it. So what would you like to see more of in our sex life is such a great, open question that what what do I want to see more of huh and in that if they ask you you can say I would you know love it if you I don't know threw me on the kitchen table sometimes or whatever whatever it is that you'd like to see more of and don't keep score with that if that doesn't happen later so don't be waiting (laughs) you know ticking off oh I only I only we only had sex on the kitchen table twice uh (laughs) it's It's not that at all. It's about coming back to it over and over with this loving, open heart about that we are in this together. And that is how you are happily in a relationship without your partner doing anything. It's because you're doing those things. And when you align that 50 bits and that 11 million bits, when I am just in it, it is, it's contagious. It's like being at a concert and everyone is on their feet do you really think you're going to be sitting in your seat? <laughs> There's, you're not. You're swept up. And that's exactly what happens in a relationship. If you can be the dominant vibration, you, I, I hear all the time, oh, I was in a great mood and then my partner came home in a bad mood. And then I was upset. <laughs> why? How, why didn't it go the other way? Why is that the dominant thing that quote unquote wins? What are you talking about? So you be the dominant vibration. You be in that incredible, happy, abundant, uh, sexy, whatever place you want to be in. Just be in that. It is like moths to a flame. Everyone is looking to connect, 
to people. I say a lot, you know, our partners are never looking for a way out. They're looking for a way in. They're always looking for that way in, even if they're threatening a way out. Mm -hmm. And so how do you let them in? You know, you have to be vulnerable and open and showing. But again, we keep score. Well, what if I do that? And they don't. And they don't. What if I what if I'm really loving and they're not? Well, it's you kind really of the, the giving, we always talk about that, giving without an agenda, whether you're in the bedroom or not. Uh, it's like if you give with the intention of getting getting something in return, you are not truly giving. You are trying to convince yourself that I'm such a giver and I'm like, well, really, you're a taker. That's all you're doing. And that mm -hmm. requires quite a change to be willing. I read one day that the only love you get to keep is the one you give. Yeah. And when I, when I read that, it made so much sense because in my earlier years, I was kind of more of, if I'm loving this much, I'm going to mirror how much my partner is like loving me, you mm -hmm. know? And then, and it's very common because we're like, well, we want to be in this equal relationship. But the day I decided it doesn't matter whether or not my partner loves me as much as I do, I'm going to just love this person And then once I did this, I guess I went to that place of surrender and letting go. And then I was finally able to see all the million ways that my partner loves me. And mm -hmm. actually, then I thought, maybe he loves me even more than I do. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> How lucky am I? Like, I was just like, this is amazing. And But it really took this um, awareness of myself and this letting go. And I think whether it is around the love, whether it is around the money, the, the chores, like being like, so what, you know, and like, we yeah. have no more of this agenda behind that. It has to go somewhere. That's, that's when the key, that transformation happens. I agree. I, you know, I call that whole thing when we're waiting relationship gridlock, you know, I'm waiting for you to say it until I do it. Well, I initiated sex the other day. So now I'm waiting for you. So now we're not having sex. You know, there's all this gridlock and, As in regular gridlock, someone has to move their car first. And I do say to people, you know, the one in the most pain needs to change first. If you're in the most pain, if you're the one coming to me because you're upset, guess what? You're the one who has to change first. And as you do that, we see, right? We start to see the world differently. Our expectations shift. Our perceptions shift. That's what's going on there. And then... Again, that 11 million and 50 start to align and our partners start to really feel us. They start to really get us and they start to act in kind. And that's what happens. Unless you are with someone who truly has a very severe mental health disorder, which is maybe less than 3% of the population. I just want to say that. So it's very small. You might be. You might be with a true narcissist, brittle narcissist. It's possible. It's just not probably, you know, it's not as common. We throw that word around a lot. So unless that's true, the your partner, again, they're looking for a way in. They they will they will gravitate towards that loving stance. And so you can't be taken advantage of. That's what I, you know, I, if I heard a, a penny for every time I heard that, I think really you're you're <laughs> we're worried that we're loving too much. Do, you know, was Mother Teresa worried about being taken advantage of? I don't, I don't know what to say. Like being in the act of love is such a beautiful way to be. And we feel so happy and, and it feels replete. So we're not thinking about other people taking advantage. And if you are thinking of that, you're still keeping score. So I will say that that's one of the little things you can have in your head to let you know that you're still keeping score. Absolutely. I kind of want to, I mean... <laughs> 
I actually want to dive down that rabbit hole a bit more, but there's so many other things to talk about. Um, You want to do an ad first? Yes, I wanted to do our ad, then we got back into this juicy conversation. So this is for all of you couples um, who are stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to. You might be tired of keeping scores, of having stale sex and all of these things, not feeling spontaneous, like, you know, there's no more ease and connection in your relationship. Then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join a highly sexed Power Couple Platinum program. So if you give us 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. So go to CelineRemy.com forward slash passion to find out more about this life transforming program. CelineRemy.com forward slash passion. Okay. So, you know, I, I said earlier on in the program that this is, in my opinion, more of a modern phenomenon, this idea of competition. And I think a lot of that is coming from society's pressure where everything has to be equal. I don't want to go too far into the feminism part. We did a whole show on that. But, but I think there's a part of real feminism that gets confused, right? Because it's like, yes, you should have the same rights to voting and you should have, be able to make the same amount of money and have the same job opportunities. All that as far as being equal and equitable is fine. But I think it gets taken a bit too far. And then when it comes into the relationship, all of those, ah, this is, you know, if I did the dishes this number of times, you got to do them like that sort of equitable, not good. So the reason I'm bringing that up right now is because when you say that's not good, and when you say you shouldn't be doing that, and when you say, give examples, for instance, like, well, I don't really want to go here, but I'm his wife, so I want to support him. I want to sort of just nip this in the bud before anybody listening starts to get the wrong idea. It sounds like, and honestly, it doesn't to us, but it could potentially sound to other people like you're advocating for traditional gender roles in relationships, which today would be a terrible thing to do. Oh my God, gender roles. This is horrible. (laughs) But I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit more and maybe explain how even though it may seem like that's what you're advocating, that's not actually what you're advocating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a, because I'm actually going deeper than that. So yeah, sometimes people can get that hit, not so much anymore, but I remember when I was first talking about this, it would happen. Uh, they're on the top. It's very easy to talk about emotional labor and things like that. And I talk about all that on my podcast. So yes, women, like I said before, we we physically do more, we do. And so there is a space of, oh, well then, yeah, I just want that. No, I don't. So <laughs> what I do want is for people to really think about. So number one, I would say, look outside your marriage to take care of a lot of these issues. Cause as we said before, both, both people are often working now that used to not be the right outside and inside the home, all that. So this idea that we used to have, you know, whole communities raising children, whole communities. We didn't do this on our own, not near relative, my relatives. I don't have any relatives like living near me to take care of my kids. Right. That, that didn't exist. So And up until literally like 50 years ago, that was always true. And we were forgetting. So we really can't just do it us. We do need to bring in other resources. I'm saying just don't always look to your partner because you're both exhausted. You're both so tired. 
And I also want to say that just like in a, you know, if you look at like a pride of lions, that's what I always use. You know, those male lions have it made, right? They're they're having sex and fighting off some hyenas occasionally. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Having their meals brought to them. That's what, uh, you know. what we love to do. Yeah. <laughs> right? Life's pretty good. Yet you cannot have a working pride without them. And what they contribute is no less valuable than what the lionesses contribute, right? Which you couldn't have it without them either, right? So, but this idea that one is more valuable than the other because of time, because of how much time goes into it. And what does happen is, are things like, you know, as women, uh, I can speak for myself and my clients, I think a lot of people, we, sometimes we want things a certain way, you know, really? we, we like things to be cleaned a certain way or to be put away a certain way or, you know, and I had a couple, I'll say it's the other day who, uh, she got really sick. He finished and he had worked all day and she got really sick at dinner. And he said, go to bed. Like my gosh. Right. She comes down in the morning and there, and he had cleaned up after dinner, gotten the kids to bed, you know, he had done all the things, but there was the garbage hadn't been taken out. The counters weren't completely wiped down like nice. Right. There, some of the dishes that had gotten cleaned had some crust in them a little bit. And she was furious. She's like, I had to wake up and do all this work when, you know, he said he would take care of it. He didn't really, he knows how important this is to me, right? He knows this reading minds thing is beautiful. Uh, and again, the definition that we give to things this, and I said to her, so what I, I made it really simple. I said, if you just looked at the kitchen and you had to give it a grade, an A plus to an F, what grade would you have given this kitchen? When you walked in, what grade would you have given it? And she said, and she kind of sat me. She goes, I guess about like a B plus. <laughs> I said, and yet she's really? furious. I know. I, and, and she got it as soon as she said it, she got it. And I said, what you're feeling is somehow not taken care of in another way. And you're talking about the kitchen. It's not about the kitchen. It's really about, you know, I, I'm not with Gary because he mows the lawn really well. Mm -hmm. I, that's not why we get with people. We get with them because of how they make us feel. I said, you're not feeling this way. You're, you know, you were feeling vulnerable. You got sick. You were probably feeling guilty because women do. God forbid we get sick and we have to go to bed and not do everything. You know, you feel bad. That's your stuff. So how can you ask for what you need? Yeah, I need I a hug. I need a little extra love. I need you to let me know it so really is okay that you did all this extra work when I know how tired you are. She was feeling bad because he really did do all the things. They have two kids, you know. And I said, that's your stuff. Like, how do you? How can you accept what he did do and really think, wow, that's so great. He put in such a great effort. Yeah, and I and think him, I think that's a big I think that's a big key too, right? Which is he's over there like I am the shit. Look at what yes. I did. I got it all done. Like boom boom boom, right? And yep. then she comes down and complains and it completely bursts his bubble because he's like yep. I put so much energy into that. So I think yeah. from her point of view is yeah, it's absolutely not done to her standards. But yeah. the question is, did he give it his best effort? Did he really try? Did he really try hard? Because this is not stuff that he does every day normally, probably, a lot of it. Right. But did he do his best and try his best to help the kids and her? And I think that's really a key place that she needs to be coming from. Is like she needs to look at it and go, okay, it's not perfect. It's not the way I would have done it. But did he really like try hard to help me out here? And if the answer is yes, then you just got to love it, love him yeah. for it, you know? 
Well, and it might not look good. His try hard, his doing his best might have even been a D in that kitchen, right? But he's but to assume that he was still doing his best. We all have different capacities. I can get a lot of crap done. I got to tell you, I am I'm like most people can't get done what I get done. So, but to compare others to what I can do in that amount of time is not fair. It's not. It's just not their capacity. It's just not what's important to them. It's not what they see, right? I've had Gary clean the bathroom and leave a full garbage. It's like, I do not see that. I do not see that. But he really didn't. Like, he just missed. I don't know. You know, it wasn't on purpose. Like, I don't want to leave that there. Screw her. That's not what's happening. The task was to clean that sink in that toilet. All right. And that <laughs> probably go. got done really well. Really well. But and of you course, didn't, you know, you, I got a cleaning lady, let's be real. But, you know, every now and then you need some extra help, right? But, do you know, what I, like there's a way of just really understanding that I had another couple, you know, she comes down in the morning and he, he does the dishes at night and he didn't do them. Like they were still there and she hates coming in, which I understand. She's got two little kids. She comes down in the morning. It's her shift, you know, and the kitchen's a mess and she's starting from there and she's furious and she's upstairs yelling like what, you know, and I, and it's not about that. You don't want him to do it. I mean, really, it's about understanding that he wasn't trying to piss her off. I mean, that's the last thing on men's minds generally is pissing off their women. I will tell you that right now. They are trying everything they can not to. But he was so done and so burnt, he really couldn't do it. And what? And it still needs to get done, though. And see, that's where it can seem very like roles and women just have to suck it up or something. And it's not at all. I just I want that solved for future. So I said to her, instead, can you go up to him? He's laying in bed, right? And say, oh, I need us to figure this out. I need us to figure out how we're going to get the kitchen clean because I can't come down in the morning like that. And I get you. I don't know how you just couldn't do it last. I get it. Like, cause I know you're trying your best, like you're trying your best. So what can we do? How can we problem solve this? We as a team. So it's not something that continues to happen. That's the difference. And you might end up with help in the mornings when you thought that was a weird, crazy thing. You might end up, I don't even know what you might do, but something else so that you're not just, again, keeping score, blaming the other person or being a martyr and just like, oh, I just have to do this because no one else will do it. I don't want that either. I I just want all of us to get together. There are always solutions for this stuff. I do this in our relationship all the time when when I sense that she's starting to get a little too overwhelmed with the number of tasks that have to go, have to get done. I say, okay. We got to do two things. Number one, we got to prioritize what's really important and what can we let go. Number two, we got to figure out a system for taking care of the thing that actually has to get done. And there's tons and tons of different ways if you think outside the box. Dishes. Okay, can you hire somebody to come in and do the dishes? Can you get a new dishwasher where you can actually put half that stuff in because your old one, you can't put half that stuff in or whatever. There's tons of ways around that to solve those problems. And honestly, as guys, and I'm not saying women aren't good problem solvers because they are, but as guys, that's like usually one thing we're really good at solving problems. <laughs> we're very task oriented. You give yeah. us a problem, we will figure out a way to solve like it. Like to, you like to solve a problem. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's really just that we approach and not a you versus me approach. And again, not always thinking everything has, has to happen within the couple. It just 
can't. Again, we used to have whole families and communities and extended families doing half the stuff that gets done right now. It is not possible. My my biggest running joke is Oprah doesn't even have it all. If friggin' Oprah, like who's like superhuman, can't have it all, she's not kids. She's not married. She she's struggles with her weight. She uh, she can't have it all. She's a billionaire. I I, I and I love her. But she doesn't have it like there. this doesn't exist. This dream, whatever, doesn't exist. And you make you make decisions that work for your life. She certainly seems very happy. God bless her. I'm happy for her. You know, it's great. It's just at some point she made decisions about what was the most important thing mm-hmm. and and is very happy with them clearly. And we have to do that in our relationships. The most important thing is the relationship. You think it's hard right now doing the dishes when he's sleeping? Try when you're divorced. <laughs> Try doing that when you have two households and these kids, you know? it's And beyond that, it's just you being unhappy all the time. Isn't what I want for you. I love you. What, what are you doing here? How do we shift this again into accepting help, into really asking in a new way? If you didn't get the help before, don't give up. At our jobs, you know, if I'm doing something, at a con- I work at corporations still. If I'm, you know, tasked with something at a company and I'm not getting it done right away, I don't go, oh, well, you didn't need to pay me anyway, but I didn't do this. <laughs> I, I, right. We go, Oh, how else can we do this? What are the resources we have to bring in? Let's call Bob from accounting. Let's, you know, we think of, we really think of all the things because it has to get done. Well, your relationship absolutely needs to be happy and joyous and sexy and luscious and yummy and great. So how do we keep moving towards that place over and over, you know, keep recommitting to that over and over. So this is a good segue into giving a few tips to our listeners, uh, because I think we talked a lot about in how competition and keeping score shows up. I think everyone listening was able to recognize themselves at some point of, or another. I sure have. And, Not uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> and so where do we go from there? Uh, what are some of the strategies that people can do? Well, you've already said about being a team, getting the um, outside help, like you don't yep. have to do it everything as a couple. Uh, but do you have um, anything else maybe as a first step that they could take? Mm-hmm. I There's a few. So that one is, you know, make it a first goal to get outside resources or take things off the plate. Think of what doesn't have to happen, right? That that Those are the kind of bigger strategic things. But the internal emotional things are to start to have this I this kind of paradigm shift of being a shared resource that whenever I'm looking to my partner for something, I'm actually taking it away from myself too. So how do I, you know, really start to think of us as on the same team, right? Over and over. And one of the little things I talk about a lot to help that conversation is not to sack, not SAC. Don't offer suggestions, give advice or criticize. So ever. so and of course people are like well what's left and it's asking questions and asking good ones what and good ones meaning not why questions but like with the sex life thing we talked about earlier it you know to go I could go to my husband say oh why aren't you initiating sex and I really need that and I've asked five times for this and you never do it right that is just not going to get you anywhere you want to go but to to think like hey what would you like to see more of in your sex life in our sex life now I'm I'm going to get to that. I'm just coming around it a little differently. I'm getting 
us on the same team first and then going somewhere and really getting rid of any idea of negotiation. I really hate this idea. I'm over here. You're over here. We're on some straight line and we're negotiating. And we, we know from the research that when people negotiate, both sides think they gave up more. Mm. Just so you know. So talk about your competition and you're keeping score. So now I think, oh, so I gave this in. We both think we lost, which is terrible because, again, we can't have winners and losers. So I talk a lot about this paradigm of a triangle instead. And we're both here and there's a solution out there that neither of us has. And together we need to brainstorm to figure out what that is, right? And I always want you thinking that way. I don't have to figure this out. We are going to figure this out. We are going to do that. Just continue to have that we. And it's, I know for me, because I'm a, a superwoman and I uh, suck at asking for help. And I, I immediately go to just problem solving and fixing things that that has been the biggest shift I've had to make is not just jumping in with what the solution already is, but actually asking. And I'm surprised sometimes at what the solution is. <laughs> <laughs> because it isn't something I thought he'd ever go for, or it isn't something I thought he'd ever come up with, or that we, would, or something I never even thought of. It, over and over again. And when we come to our partners like that, the vulnerability is there. We develop trust. The communication starts, which again now goes into the bedroom, now goes into our parenting, now goes, I mean, it goes everywhere. It's amazing. But if you just started with not trying this for even a day or a week, to not sack, not offer suggestions, giving advice or criticizing, and instead only asking questions when something doesn't feel right or we're trying to get something to move, just ask questions. And I'm telling you, your relationship will transform. Yeah, it's fa- absolutely fantastic advice. You know, in, in our relationship, we kind of very early on coined the term team us, right? Because we have always, from the beginning, viewed our relationship as a team. Like we're working together for a common goal all the time. And I think that's where a lot of relationships fail is they see themselves as opposites, opposing each other a lot of the time. How can I get my needs met at the expense of the other one? So fantastic advice. Yep. So where can people find more uh, of you? <laughs> I know you've got books um, and your website. So please tell our listeners where they can connect with you. The website has everything. It's uh, abbymedcalf.com, um, A-B-B-Y-M-E-D-C-A-L-F.com. And there is a free communication toolkit for couples on there because, um, you know, I have to speak the language of the people. And so uh, and it's really popular and uh, really will be helpful. And then and the podcast is there, all the things, the books. There's a lot of free things, too. There's a learned optimism workshop. There's mindfulness uh, starter kit, meditation starter kits. All of them are free. I like to have things accessible to everyone. So you can get, you know, you can buy things there, but you can also get lots of good free resources. Awesome. And we come to our very last question, Abby. (laughs) Tell our listener, what is your best sexual talent? I think I I thought of this because I'm like, oh, they asked this question. I have to think of that. And I asked Gary. She's been listening. I "I have listened. Of course I did. I said to Gary, so I I asked Gary. And he said blowjobs. So I'm going to have to go with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I asked him. I was like, what is it? And he said, oh, blowjobs all day long. I said, great. 
It's a great <laughs> skill to have. It's a great skill to have. It's it's uh, fun for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. I would agree with that one. Well, you have a lucky husband and you're a lucky woman too. <laughs> because blowjobs are fun both ways. Uh, they are fun. I was like, it's like, that's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're lucky enough to be in a relationship with a woman who really loves to give blowjobs... Definitely don't take it for granted, you know, because it's amazing. A lot of guys are like, I wish I could get my woman to give me more blowjobs. It's like the other night, Celine was like, give me your cock. I'm like, are you sure? I'm kind of tired. Like, don't you just want to go to bed? She's like, no, Over. no, I want it right now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Deal. All right, done. For you. I'll do it for you because I love you. Exactly. <laughs> That's a little bit of a joke we have. He's like, Okay. <laughs> Well, but yeah, I was I was happy to know the question. I was like, I have to ask him. <laughs> you are the very first guest who has listened probably to an entire show to the end because oh, they yeah. never know. They always act very surprised. So you came prepared. Oh. Uh-huh. Good job. I was ready. <laughs> <laughs> always ready. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that interview just flew by. We are actually over time, but it was great. We didn't ask half the questions we wrote down, but it was fantastic. And I really think that the audience got a lot of value. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. I love talking. I could talk to you guys all day. <laughs> Same here. But we're going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. That's all the time we have for this episode. And we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>